Today's scripture reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on your way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard, it, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. Today we're concluding a mini-series on the Sermon on the Mount. That material contained within the 5th, 6th, and 7th chapters of Matthew's Gospel. This is a view from the Mount of Beatitudes. It's on the northwest coast of the Sea of Galilee. And visitors to the area are told this is where the Sermon on the Mount was delivered. On the map, you can see the location there overlooking the fishing village of Capernaum, the town that Jesus selected as his headquarters in the Galilee. Images of Jesus addressing the crowds, like this one from the Danish artist Karl Bloch, 
are well known. What we can't know for certain is whether the texts that we're able to study in these few chapters from Matthew were truly Jesus' manuscript from a single sermon preached at a single time or a collection of teachings of Jesus repeated to different audiences in different locations, later recalled and collected by his disciples. What we can be sure of is that these verses we heard this morning make us uncomfortable. This section of the Sermon on the Mount contrasts the law of Moses with new rules Jesus prescribes. Sort of like, yeah, that was then, this is now. And the bar has been raised, wouldn't you say? You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder. Whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. Indeed, the sixth commandment is, thou shalt not kill. But I say to you, that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. Jesus is calling his disciples, us included, not just to understand the law differently, but to live differently in light of this new understanding. Do no harm, not because the law demands it, but be a different kind of person altogether because you follow not just the letter of the law, but because you live by the Spirit of the law. Jesus even goes so far as to suggest that God is patient enough to wait for us to iron out our differences with one another before we attend to the worship of God. So, when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go first. Be reconciled to your brother and sister and then come and offer your gift to God. If Jesus had been in the south, it would have been said right then and there, he'd quit preaching and gone to meddling. According to Jesus, anger is the basis underlying the commandment not to commit murder. Anger left unchecked may not culminate in homicide, but it can still be incredibly destructive. So anger is the condition Jesus' disciples need to address. 
This is something the church should be able to help people navigate. Jesus tells us straight out, we must be reconciled with our brothers and sisters. That is, we need to deal with our anger and find a way to make peace before we come to the table of the Lord to share in the bread and the cup. We probably gloss over that at this point because here we very rarely use the service of word and table number one found in the front of our hymnal. But there it is, right at the bottom of page seven. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. We go out of our way to say that all are welcome to come to the table. And we extend that invitation within the context of a service of worship that includes prayers for forgiveness and prayerful commitments on our behalf to seek to live in peace. With one another. Those who hold on to anger, resentment, and ill will toward neighbors are simply not prepared to join their brothers and sisters at the table. Now I've quit preaching and gone to meddling. Jesus is saying, You've heard it said, You shall not murder, but I say to you, Work on your anger. Find a way to make peace even with your worst enemy. That's the way to transform the world. Next, Jesus asks us to consider the nature of our relationships. And here we have two presenting issues Adultery and divorce. Ideal topics for the Valentine's Day weekend, wouldn't you say? (laughs) Once again, Jesus points not just to the laws themselves, but to one's underlying motivations, one's heart, and one's thoughts. Dr. Amy Jill Levine professor of New Testament studies at that fine United Methodist school, Vanderbilt University in Nashville, notes that this text is an especially important one for women since it calls into accountability the way that men in biblical times thought about women. She believes that this extension to thought, not just action, implies a teaching against the sexual objectification of women by men. I want to suggest that Jesus' words here, although explicitly directed toward the marriage covenant, can be extended to help us consider not just how we act toward people, 
but what is inside each one of us in terms of how we think about other people. When I was an undergraduate student at the University of the Pacific, Rabbi Bernard Rosenberg taught our Old Testament class that one way of looking at the Hebrew Bible was to interpret everything up to Genesis chapter 4, verse 9 as prelude and everything following that particular question posed therein as a response in the affirmative. Genesis 4, 9 reads, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? How we respond to that question determines a great deal about how we think about and how we treat our brothers and sisters. It guides us toward or away from thoughts about others that fall into the category of objectification and of failing to care for sacred relationships with family and friends by holding on to our grudges, harboring resentments, and refusing to seek a path to reconciliation and peace. The final category Jesus asks us to consider in this morning's text is under the heading concerning oaths. In biblical terms, an oath is a ritual action wherein one swears to honor a promise made to another person. When we swear falsely, as Jesus quoted the law, we have lied in our promise by failing to keep it. Is it just me, or would you agree that we live in a time when honesty and truth are no longer normative? What time is it anyway? According to my Fitbit, it's 11.07. Anybody have anything five minutes more to either side of that? I've been yammering on for quite a while now. It may feel later than 11.07. You could check with the person sitting next to you, consult your smartphone. But if I were to tell you it's not 11.07, it's 10.30, that would be untrue. We have ways of measuring these things, you see. Whether it's social media or politics or here in the church, truth is truth. Truthiness is for entertainment, where there's no illusion that the host behind the desk is expected to be trustworthy. Jesus said, let your yes 
mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. Now, he was speaking of breaking an oath, but this is an issue of character. If we are not honest ourselves, can we expect others to be honest with us? If we accept lies as truth and brand truth as lies, what happens to our ability to know the difference? What happens to society when telling the truth is no longer an expectation? What happens when we start to act as if there is no objective truth, no right or wrong, and fail to trust people that they will honor their promises. I think what Jesus is getting at here is that we need to think about our character by looking at who we are deep inside our hearts. If our hearts are filled with love, his love, then staying on the right side of the law, his law, will take care of itself. The good news is God knows we can't do this perfectly. We can try, and we can pray, and we can work on dealing with our anger through reconciliation, and we can work on our relationships by treating others the way we want to be treated, and we can work on honoring our commitments. We can work on our spiritual lives, but we will be working on these things all our lives long, and we will make mistakes. The good news is, We don't need to worry. This story has a happy ending because, as John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, would have said it, we are all going on toward perfection in love. And in the meantime, one of Bonnie Stinson's favorite scripture verses was 1 Peter 4, verse 8, which says, Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. And there is amazing grace enough to carry us along, despite our human failings. Thanks be to God. Another outstanding Methodist, Pastor Steve Garnus Holmes, wrote these words. Jesus is not skipping the law, nor reinterpreting it. He's getting at the heart of it. Not a rule you can get around, but an invitation to love. He's drawing us deeper into it, actually caring about the other person, not just making sure we're legal. Jesus says, 
You've heard it said, follow the law and stay legal. But I say, follow God and stay loving. Let's pray. Jesus, help me. Guide me. When I'm offended or ticked off, help me love the other. Not just contain my anger, but deeply respect and cherish them. When my own desires flare up, help me to see each person as a precious individual, not an object for either lust or scorn, not an object at all, but a soul, a pilgrim on this journey with me, blessed, imperfect, and worthy. Help me speak and act for their sake, in love for them, even as you love me. Amen. Let us go forth in peace, and may the grace of our Creator God, the love of our Redeemer, Christ Jesus, the Lord, his Son, and the companionship of our constant guide, the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen. listening to this podcast of the First United Methodist Church in Turlock, California. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. For more information about our church, visit www.fumcturlock or call the church at 209-668-3000. Visitors are always welcome. And now, may the peace of the Lord dwell in your hearts this day. And may God bless you.